This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Machine Learning. Debt Cures is the name of the book. The author starts by saying, credit card companies are making obscene profits. We've always heard that credit card companies have to have high interest rates because they have to offset their losses or the risks associated with providing unsecured debt. But the author says that they're making obscene profits. So it means that if you borrow, say, $10,000, how much do you pay back in interest, penalties, and fees on that $10,000, if you ever pay it off. Uh, Credit card industry is predicted to be a $30 billion a year business. Credit card profits are made through fees and interest paid. Credit card companies, on the other hand, say, we didn't force the person to take the loan and the individual taking the loan or the credit cards reasons that they need the credit card as a financial security in case of emergency. But would you want to put $10,000 on a 15% interest credit card just use the rule of 72 and it will you can calculate how quickly that uh, amount would double in how many months by dividing into 72 and it will tell you how bad that interest rate is I personally got rid of all my credit cards because at one time I had $10,000 in credit card debt and I was making $200 a month payments on it and it wasn't even denning it. And I had done that for a year. And I was so upset that the fact that I had spent literally thousands of dollars in that year and had basically no decrease in the amount of money that I owed. And the credit card debts can go even higher. They can, you know, they don't have a limit of $10,000. Now they can go as high as 50000 60000 to the point that if you ever max out on that credit card, you could never pay it off. And it's so easy to spend on a card. And it doesn't seem like you spent that much. You buy a bed. You put a, uh, you pay for a, uh, one month of 
of mortgage payments or rent payments. You buy some clothes. You buy a dinner. And you don't have the money to pay it back. So it goes on to your balance. And that balance then accumulates interest. Making people pay for access to credit is a lucrative business. The credit card company allows you to charge over your limit and pay a over limit fee. Those are one of the worst um, features that I've, I've had. I remember, because it's automatic, I remember having a um, checking account or savings account and it had that overleaf over limit feature and I asked my wife one day I said how we're, why do we have a $900 fee here and then she explained that there were certain checks that were written out and there was insufficient funds and that caused the over limit fee to adjust forward and there were charges that were associated because of that over late fee and we were paying I think it was for like $50, $50. We ended up paying $300. And that taught me the, the uh, danger of the over limit fee. So we always keep a very, very small limit, even if, if none if we can prevent it. Because if you don't have the money, don't spend it. If you're one day late for a payment, you will pay a late fee. I remember one time my daughter had a, an apartment and uh, she, for some reason she was late getting her money to the, the landlord, but she, she hurried down there and I think it was maybe a half day late and the landlord wanted a $100 fee. And she was upset over that. And the, my other daughter said, well, you know, you agreed to that. And you were one day late. And so you should pay the $100. But she didn't understand why she should pay uh, maybe a quarter of what the rent was back then for being half a day late. Especially when she had made such good faith to get down there and make that payment, hand deliver the payment. So she still had to pay that fee. Banks are the same way. Once you are late on that payment, automatically pay those late fees. Credit card minimum payment extends the number of payments into years for an 8K balance. $6.7 trillion of US debt suggests that debt has been distributed widely and completely. Minimum payments mean you will be paying for virtually your whole life to credit card companies. Slavery was not abolished. Well, again, you know, we talk about that slavery to debt. And, you know, I've, gone, I've talked about this, that statement a number of times. If you want to become financially free, you don't want to be a slave, which means that you don't have a rights, then don't become into debt. Don't get into financial debt. Because then you don't have the right to spend. You don't have the right to go on vacations. You basically don't have the right to do anything. Maybe not even eat. Because 
you have fees associated with that debt. And so taking that debt uh, shouldn't be allowed. Most credit card company debt accumulates when there is a job loss, medical illness, divorce, or death in the family. Most people immediately file for bankruptcy after incurring massive credit card debt. Well, it's unfortunate, but that is true. And I had a friend that had to do that, and I told him, I advised him against it, that he uh, shouldn't use a credit card to pay for restaurant, and he shouldn't use credit card to pay for medical expenses. Those are things that the, the hospital will ask you for, hotels will ask you for, is credit card. And... Uh, and they want to have that credit card because it's unsecured debt. They get their money immediately. And uh, they don't have to go through collections to get the money. So at that point, having a credit card really does you a disservice. Credit cards have a legal right to raise your interest rate if you miss a car payment, mortgage payment, or payment of another credit card. Well, I remember a friend who was, a, he was the top of the pyramid when it came to the credit card. He used his credit card every week to travel, pay for everything, all his expenses. And then he always paid off his debt when he was done. But uh, in that process, he told me that he received a letter stating that if he missed any of his payments or even was late, that he would jump from like, I think it was 12% interest to 30% automatically. So the credit card companies have and can, for almost any reason, raise those interest rates on you. So you're not... Uh, locked into a contract where you're guaranteed a specific interest rate. So you can imagine if you had $10,000 of debt and then the credit card decided to raise from 12% to 30% your interest rate. Well now you have roughly a threefold increase in the interest. How will you pay that off add your principal. Debt cannot be paid off every month. Only 60% of the people are capable of paying that off. The other 40% will fall into this high risk, high default probability. And usually it's for amounts like $5,000 where they just can't make those payments. A debt collector wants you to think that he has power over you. However, there are time statutes for him to collect his money before his claim expires. The law prevents perpetual harassment. And I like to think the law of Jubilee or the year of Jubilee affects every seven years you're forgiven of your debt and every 50, all debts are, are given away, forgiven. And uh, 
You cannot have a parasite called that constantly tearing out the host and expect the host to be healthy. Don't get paralyzed by fear. And uh, that's an important lesson. Well, I want to talk about the empire of debt. So now we've talked about the consumer. Let's talk about the uh, national debt, which I really wish that it could have been repudiated. I'd done a number of podcasts. I wrote uh, in one of my chapters of a book that I'm, I'm preparing called The Way the World Works that debt should have been repudiated. There are at least three possible reactions to mountains of U.S. debt. One being a crisis of confidence, another the drowning of consumer, and the last, the slow leak into the private equity returns. A crisis of confidence occurs when a catastrophic shock causes investors to flee speculative markets and seek safety havens for their money. The flip in confidence returns stock values to the mean, validates conservative interest practice, and soaks up the liquid capital, making debt um, money difficult to obtain. Today, analysis are not predicting a crisis of confidence because corporate level debt defaults are 12 times less than the historic rate of 3.5%. That may explain why there has been a delay in the default on the, or crash on the junk bond market is because of an era of fairly good growth and the federal, the Fed has kept interest rates so low that it has basically exported inflation all over the world and you know we had politicians that said fire the fed and we could only have prayed that we could have got under out of the grasp of the fed but we never did and so as a result of that 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 uh, slow expansion or a rapid expansion of the money supply we've we're starting now to feel the effects of inflation food is more expensive fuel is more expensive housing is more expensive education is more expensive without getting huge returns in value back for the money we're spending lower default rates mean that companies are gaining increased levels of debt to finance existing debt and avoiding default however during a panic an investor will dump all their investments in the corporate debt securities and expand spreads to keep their money and finances exist existing debt debt flipped are the u.s consumption patterns amassing debt compared to our allies in asia who are producing saving and investing in u.s businesses Europe is rigid and dull. Well, and, and who's doing the buying right now? Well, Blackstone has $8 trillion. It's China who's doing the buying. So they're buying up U.S. companies with this huge amount of money that they've amassed from all of 
the U.S. consumer spending and debt accumulation. Drowning occurs when the lender choked on their largeness. As the mountain of debt climbs, lenders are forced to tighten their lending standards. The subprime fiascos reflected a management change of direction as lawmakers put pressure on the big financial institutions to tighten lending standards and to avoid risking risky lending strategies. The financiers know well that many buyers can't afford to pay for their houses they buy, but they saw no point in mentioning that. That is so weird because the banker should always measure the risk elements. And when I did the risk analysis on loans, I saw that banks it didn't mention it. They just knew that there was a certain bad rate amount statistically. And they accept the fact that there's those bad rate amounts because they can make more profits by giving out more loans to a larger population of people and then letting the statistics run its course, which will be maybe one or 2%. Uh, will will default on their loans. But they would get more, overall, they would get more profits. So their net profits would be greater than if they had zero uh, bad rate loans versus maybe one or 2% bad, bad rate loans. The Fed holds down short-term rates below inflation rates so that investors in long-term mortgage financing and buyers of U.S. Treasury obligations can make easy profits. So they're helping the rich. Fed are helping the rich. Well, not necessarily the rich. They're helping a sector of the rich make more money, easy profits. And it's the individuals that are investing in those long-term mortgage financing. And who were they? Well, they were the banks. And that's why the hedge funds bet against them. But in the process of accumulating all this money from the, the hedge funds did, the banks received their money from the taxpayer, received their bailouts, and then they went back and rebought the same mortgage-backed securities at a discount. So they didn't lose anything. They put those long-term securities back on their books. Slow leaking occurs as private equity returns gradually declining. The slow leak signals the end of the debt boom. Yeah, it's got to come to an end. Report card time. New borrowing by the Fed, $400 billion plus. New borrowing by private households, $1 trillion. Consumer credit per capita, $8K. Credit card debt per capita, $7K. Commercial industrial loans, $700 billion. Individual loans, $1K. U.S. corporate debt, $2.5 trillion. State and local debt, $1.6 trillion. Total loan finance, $25 trillion. Wow. So you look at it where people were getting their, putting their money, borrowing money. They, they're, they're seeing these new cars. They got to go get a new car. They got to go into a new Tesla. They got to get a new um, Lucid Air. And uh, F-150 Lightning is coming out. These cars are all expensive. They run from 40000 to $125,000. You get a, an EV Hummer, 125000 do you plop down $125,000 cash or do you go get a $125,000 loan? So that's the question. So loans, cars are big. Federal student loan, $1.4 trillion. 
Sometimes the whole market is deceived by its own central planners. Rather than allowing lenders and borrowers to decide for themselves what rates they would accept, the central planners at the U.S. Federal Reserve decide for them. This defines the wisdom of the crowds, who theoretically aggregated private options and independent judgments of thousands of individuals into price. The Fed swings the masses into crowd-like behavior whipped to the excess by financial media or financial industry. How they can know exactly what the lending rates for such a large and infinite complex economy needs has never have been explained. Well, they just, I swear they run off power law. And I've, ex, I've uh, advocated that uh, once you know the coefficients to the polynomial, to the curve, you can predict when markets will crash. And it's understanding what those polynomials are. Today, we will try to apply deep learning to figure out what that hidden function is and then forecast. And maybe using LSTM, it can discover what the uh, hidden coefficients to that power equation are and when it predicts that the market will crash. But a, a simple way would be just to know what those coefficients are and then watch for the market uh, matching the curve profile of the polynomial equation. And then you would know uh, when equilibrium would occur and a crash would occur. How could we know exactly what the lending rate such as large and infinite complex economy needs has never been explained. But historically, from the Fed's lowest rate to the highest, there are 1,200 basis points. On these odds alone, they have almost certainly chosen the wrong one. Huh. So they're just randomly just selecting these rates and throwing them out there. They don't really care what the economy does, as long as their profits are strong. In setting the key rate, the Open Market Committee tends to set a rate much more to the politician's liking than one offered by Mr. Market. Everything's moving to the politicians. Legal system, voting systems, banking systems. And when politics interferes with business, according to Drucker, that's when uh, the economy will respond correctly and will begin to contract at a rapid speed. Low rates give the illusion that there is more money to spend than there really is. That's what I explained because money supply increases, loans increase by the banks. And as I've stated before, the only redeeming factor is when they had all this liquidity out there that companies didn't take any of it. And as a result, it was just basically sitting there in the bank's coffers, but no one was taking these loans. There was no capital improvements. And so as a result, um, we didn't see uh, rapid inflation. Uh, ben Baraki, Global Corporation, sacrificed solvency of American consumer through low interest rates and tax cuts enticing debt-based consumption of Japanese products. And Japan has done some crazy things, too, on the reverse, where it's devalued its yen, or, excuse me, appreciated its yen. And so uh, JOP, or J-O-J, B-O-J, was buying up yen 
causing it to appreciate, making uh, the yen stronger against the dollar. Maybe they're ordered to do it. It's really strange. Richard Duncan in his book, Dollar Demise, said the Japanese created 35 trillion yen in 15 months to start buying dollars. So they're buying lots of U.S. dollars, holding up the dollar, bringing down the yen. Buying dollars drove down the value of the yen, keeping exports cheap and volumes high. Vern Hill, Grant Interest Rates Observer, states, whether inflation or deflation lies ahead, or some kind of both, we believe many borrowers will be unable to repay their loans as scheduled. Yep, subprime meltdown, we saw that uh, there are many people who were unable to pay back their loans, pay on their loans, couldn't make those mortgage payments. The consumer crisis characterizes having little savings, little investments in a productive industry and the illusion of wealth that accompanies rising house prices. With little investment in new factories or new methods of production, few good-paying new jobs are created. Bankers like to borrow long and lend short. Many people believe a house is an investment and is safer and more profitable than stocks. A house is not a profit center, but a cost center. Each money, money must be spent on the house. A house produces nothing. It has no revenues and no profits are earned. You never hear of a factory being built with increasing increases in housing prices. The way you get wealthy is you save cash. That is the only way in my mind that we can repair our economy is that people will have to have a, a mind change where they don't look at their home as an asset to become rich because it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't produce any revenue. You have to have cash and then with that cash you can buy companies that produce jobs. You can buy products or resources to make products and resell. So. Investing all your money into housing will make you cash poor. So pay off your house immediately, save cash, and become cash rich. The strong encouragement by Berecki created a surge in the arm loans and further intoxicated the consumer because arms provided cheap entry caused by low treasury rates, but the rates can adjust. 24% for a 180K loan with a uh, 1,142 monthly payment can move to $1,500, an extreme jump from $1,450 to $2,200, or a 34% increase can move the homeowner into foreclosure. Yeah, just not enough money to pay for the house payment. The adjustable rate has proven time after time as too heavy for the consumer. The market hopes the foreclosure sink has bottomed out and a new wave of buying will result. The shockwave of debt is not over. On top of the mortgage debt, equity loans are extremely burdensome. Equity loans are often used to finance credit card debt and consumer credit levels are surging upward. High interest payments extend the burden of debt into years. Bankers want to see finances without considering the house the person lives in. The banker wants to know, does this person really earn money and can he pay his debt? Banks must be 
perplexed with their prospective loaners. Americans spend 6% more every day than they earn. That is just crazy. That is, uh, you know, you want to at least just only spend what you earn. But to spend 6% more than what you earn each day means that you're going to accumulate a pile of debt. $11.5 trillion of U.S. assets are in foreigner hands. Levy and Brown pointed out that the real threat is protectionism and isolationism at home, putting an end to dynamicism, openness, and flexibility. I believe isolationism will give the individual more accumulation of wealth and globalization will provide more opportunities for consumption. Bush 10-year plan, Medicare drug benefit program costs $720 billion. Why should America get drugs on other people's expenses? Cars are a cash drain. Cars owned by GMAC and other auto finances. GMAC, secure quality, is junk bonds. The slow leak and spinning door look for large investment. How does the consumer finance a 40K truck and a 225 thousand K home with a 65 K salary. Well, today we'd say, how do you finance that a 410 K home and a 60,000 K truck on a 65 K salary? The risks are not conservative and investors threat that loans by expanding the spread.